Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. There has been a download of enormous fear, panic, stress, and many of God's children have found themselves in one difficult situation after another thinking, what in the world is going on here? Well, it's exactly what it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's the adversary. It's the enemy. I'm not going to teach on this this morning, but I'll, I'll, I'll just, just to give you an idea of how the enemy tries to do things. You know, they're in the garden. I talked about this several times the past few weeks, how Jesus, as he prayed, and he said to the Father, let this uh, cup pass from me. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I always view that in the view of him talking about the next day. It wasn't the next day. It was that night. Satan was trying to kill him that night. What, he, what Satan always tries to do is run, th- run things on his own schedule. Amen? I truly believe we're three years. We may go five years. We may go seven years. I don't think we can go ten years. I do, do believe we're three years into a season of the mercy of God. I believe mathematically the rapture of the church should have taken place, should have taken place in 2018. You say, why is that? 70 years from 1948, Jesus said this generation will not pass away until all these things, amen, have come to pass. Well, see, God in His mercy and God in all that He's desiring to do to revive the church, to cause revival to happen, to reap the precious fruit of the earth, has given us some time. But see, the enemy's already, he's already, he's trying to push his agenda. He's trying to push his demonic system. I've heard people, ministers talk about, well, churches are going to be destroyed and they all have to go underground. And listen, the devil can't do that. We are the withholding force upon this earth. And we're the one that says, devil, if God gives us three years, if God God gives us five years, if God gives us seven years, if God gives us ten years, then we have five years, seven years, ten years of grace and mercy and refreshing and revival. Listen, when you walk outside this church, this, listen, this whole society on this island up into Houston and all the cities all around, it's like, it's, it's like a spring that's pulled too tight, ready to be let go. People are so on edge. You know, with, with things about masks and things about social distancing and all this and that. And then, that, and then we get information about how, how all these numbers have been distorted and all this stuff that has happened. In reality, there's really only been about 9,000 people who've succumbed to this. Listen, that, that is the demonic system of this world. And the problem is many Christians are succumbing to that. We're not against masks or social distancing or doing anything that doctors are telling us to do. What we're against is a demonic system that puts undue pressure on God's children trying to destroy them or trying to get them to step back away from what God's saying to do now, which is to press in, press in, press in. It's revival time. It's awakening time. It's time for a move of God. Amen. Many of you are experiencing that right now. You've thought, what in the world is this? Well, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The big fox will sit upon his haunches and eat the fruit, walk away from the plant. Little foxes can't do that, so they start digging at the root. Digging, 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 digging. This thing, that thing, this thing, that thing. They're not great big problems, they're just a bunch of little bitty problems. We're going to believe God. We're going to pray. And that stuff is going to end right now. In your life, 
It may be something so minor nobody even thinks about. I mean, there's all kinds of things the enemy does. And it is the enemy. And we don't give him any ground. Amen? I mean, we pray over our pets. I pray over my, my plants. I don't even let devils steal my plants. I don't. They're mine. I paid money for them. I stick them in the ground. I take care of them. They're going to grow. Devil, you're going to get your hands off of them in Jesus' name. Everything that involves our life and doing life together as a church, the enemy is trying to attack and come against. But good news, there's authority in the name of Jesus. Oh, he got that name through conquest. He had it conferred upon him. He got it through inheritance. And he transferred it to us through inheritance. We are heirs and joint heirs in Christ. Now, I'm going to pray. Now, here's what I want you to do. Don't just sit there and say, well, praise God. I want you to receive. As I pray, you begin to receive. You say, now, what does that mean? That means you act like in your praise and your worship that you got your answer right now. It just manifested. You act like it just manifested. You act like it just manifested. Amen. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you did not equip us to lay down and roll over at the time on the earth in which you're going to use us for your greatest manifestation of victory and blessing. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirits from hell, we bind you, we say you are defeated, you are under our feet, and you cease and desist in your activity, in our minds, in our homes, in our families, in our church family, in our missions work, in everything we're doing. Devil, you are defeated. We remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago. giving us an insight into the spirit realm. He said, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. If you study that out, he's actually saying this. There is a violent attack against God's kingdom to suppress it and keep it from manifesting. Amen. But he said, but the violent take it by force. I, I, don't, see, I don't see David passive in his entire life. I, listen, I, I don't see the Apostle Paul passive in his entire life. I see men in the Bible and women in the Bible that were strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And the Bible said they did exploits and it said you would do exploits. But now listen to me. We are entering into a time. There are times and seasons on the clocks and calendars of God. 
in which we enter into dispensations, generations, and seasons of extreme grace. Where sin doth abound, there does grace much more abound. Amen? Now, there are things happening in the earth right now that are not, people say they're not spiritual, but they are. They're very spiritual. They're results of years of prayer, intercession, men and women crying out to God to break the back of the demonic strongholds of this earth. Listen, the Luciferian pedophile rings are being destroyed because the church is praying. I'm telling you, there's, there, there, there's injustices, there's things that are not right with our society that God is stepping in and intervening, and it's not what you think it is. It's not what you're seeing right now. It's what we're going to see in the peace of God that passes all understanding. It is time for an awakening on this earth like the earth has not seen since the day of Pentecost. And God's just looking for a few people who in the midst of all this craziness, Aren't going to quit. Aren't going to back off. Aren't going to shut down. The enemy, listen, he is a liar. And he speaks into people's minds. And the problem is when people begin to entertain that and entertain that. Uh, I'm developing some teaching for, for after, our, after our fall harvest. The Lord spoke something to me that was very powerful. And he spoke it about my life. Because I had to learn some things as I grew up. And, and the Lord spoke a phrase to me. He said, it's not that you were unwilling to not do good. It's that you did not know how to do good. And there's a lot of people who, who, who their behavior and their actions are just not good. I'm talking about church people. They're just not good. But they haven't sat under the teaching that they need in order to know how to do good. And God wants you to know that process is accelerating here at Island Church. For you to know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what you can do in Christ. And for God to cause your faith to rise to levels that no one on earth has ever walked in faith like that before. And we get to that point that God's going to release special faith, signs and wonders, workings of miracles. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. The light of God. The life of God. The explosions of God. I like what John G. Lake said. The lightnings of God that hit the heart of men. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and worship one more time. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we exalt you. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We glorify you. We exalt you. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a shout. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Matthew chapter 16. One of my favorite messages to... to to bring to any congregation, especially the church I pastor. You know, I've preached it here probably a dozen times over the years. Now, we're in what we call a series on maturing or growing up spiritually, coming into a place of spiritual maturity. We referenced it with an illustration of a young soldier joined the military at age 17. When he was, when he was age 19, found himself on a combat mission over Normandy, jumping out of an airplane. He talked about how childish he was. At 17, he was childish. 18, he was childish. He said, but at age 19, when I jumped out of that airplane over Normandy in the dead of night, I grew up real fast. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're living at a time 
And what you, if you'll allow God, by His Word and by His Spirit, He'll grow you up real fast. Amen? And I like the term, I like the term the, uh, in the man's book he, he, that he wrote. He said this. He said, I grew up real fast and I became combat effective. I believe God's making people combat effective in the earth today that are going to do exploits and see their God do miracles on their behalf. Well, as we've gone through this series, we've studied other things, but we did a little three-week faith refresher that refreshed us on the subject of faith. But let me just say this, because faith, what we have faith in is, is in our redemption. Now, in tying the two together, faith and redemption, always remember this. It's a very simple principle. Many times the object of our faith is what we're believing God for. Uh, I know several are, are standing in faith, believing they receive healing, so you're, you're thinking, you know, that, that's what I'm believing God for. Or, or you're maybe financially, you're, you're sowing and believing God for a financial breakthrough, whatever it may be. But, but, but what you're believing God for becomes the object of your faith. Where the object of your faith never needs to be what you're believing God for. The object of your faith is Jesus. He is the what? He is the author and finisher of your faith. So he always remains the object of your faith. Now what you're believing God to receive, what you're believing God to manifest, that's the result of your faith. And it's so easy. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth to whatever it is the Word of God says belongs to you. As it says in Colossians 2.20 As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That's why we greatly encourage everyone to have a word-based daily confession. Confess over your health. Confess over your prosperity. And do your redemptive confessions, which makes Jesus big in your life. Remember what God did for us in Christ. He did for us. He did not have to do it for Himself. God was never at a disadvantage to the devil or demon powers. He was always preeminent over them as God. But thank God He came and rescued us. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, when I, you know, I went in the ministry in 1984, and it's like this way with every minister. It's just the way it is. You know, for about three, four, five years, it's about five years for me. I was just an echo, an echo of everybody else's teaching, an echo of uh, things I was proving out. And then about, oh, I don't know, uh, 1989, 1990, right in there, God began to give me a voice. You say, what do you mean by that? God began to give me things in the Word of God that were unique to me in my ministry. This message right here is one of them. Now, when you understand that, you understand you have, you have come to a place in life or ministry in which you've proved some things. Everybody say, proved some things. And I have proved some things in the Word of God. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. And it, when it comes to the subject of redemption, what I have proved is this. Redemption is more of an important subject than any other subject. Because within the redemptive realities lays the answers to all other subjects. You say, well, Pastor, I, I really wish you wouldn't teach on redemption because i got a physical need. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I really wouldn't, uh, wish you wouldn't teach on redemption because I, I need deliverance in an area. Or I really wouldn't, uh, wish you wouldn't teach on redemption because i got a financial need. Well, in reality, redemption takes care of it all. The specifics of the need are the grace that God has put into, our, into His Word so that we can't specifically aim our faith somewhere. I was always, uh, many times I'd use this illustration, I thought it was good, uh, how in 1962, uh, newly elected President John F. Kennedy made an announcement that the United States of America would go to the moon during that decade. Well, you'd have thought everybody would have been happy, but not everybody was. 
Because a lot of people did not think we should spend ever how many uh, millions or billions of dollars that it took to go to the moon when we had social unrest, we had people that were not eating good, we had all this, we had problems going on in Southeast Asia. So why, why do we need to go to the moon when we got all these other problems? Well, he was a visionary. And he looked beyond the current problem of the day in order to step into something that if he stepped into that, it'll take care of all those other problems. Because what was the, does anybody know the big problem of 1961-62? It was the Russian, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. That you might wake up and everything be gone because of a nuclear exchange. People were building fallout shelters. I remember in school doing, doing these exercises in which they'd blow this, this uh, siren and you'd have to come out in the hall and, and you'd have to take your head and bend down. I mean, anybody remember that kind of date some of us? But we did that. I always thought to myself, now what good's that going to do? I thought to myself, is this really a nuclear attack? I'm going to run out and enjoy it as long as I can, you know. <laughs> but people were afraid because really the bigger problem was not civil unrest. The bigger, the bigger problem was not racial injustice. Uh, the bigger problem was not poverty. The bigger problem was not well, what's going on in Southeast Asia. The bigger problem was this nuclear proliferation. But if we could go to the moon, in going to the moon, the technology developed would change the way you brush your teeth. Plus all other kinds of things because the technology that came out of it. Well, the same thing's true of redemption. There is a greater message. There is a bigger picture. And that is seeing yourself in Christ Jesus. Because when you do that, all of the lesser problems of your life really become simplistic because you see them as already being taken care of. We said this last week. I may say it every week till we get back on another subject. You cannot live your life trying to get God to do something for you He's already done. Or you cannot exhaust your faith trying to defeat an already defeated foe. Amen. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now notice this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he, said, uh, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say I, the Son of Man, am? Now notice the question. Who do men say? Everybody say, who do men say? Say it again. So these are the men that were... Receiving the miracles, these were the men that probably ate some fish and bread. Some people that uh, heard the stories about him calming the sea, walking on the water. Uh, these were people that had experienced or they had heard of his miraculous ministry. So they want to know. Jesus is asking them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say that are John the Baptist. John the Baptist is dead and has been beheaded. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, notice the response of the men, even though they had an observation of his miraculous power, they had no revelation of his identity. Now let me say that again. Even though they had an observation or an experience of his miraculous power, they had no revelation of his identity. Now you say, well, what difference does that make today? Because people would say, Oh, Pastor, if we could just have miracles, 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 people would just come by the... No, they wouldn't. Jesus had miracles, 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 and they hung him on a cross. It's not miracles that convince people of the reality of God. 
It's God visiting people with revelation knowledge in their heart that brings the reality of God into the life of the individual. That's why proclaiming the gospel is more important than demonstrating the gospel, but demonstrating the gospel must be part of proclaiming the gospel. Did you get that? Now notice this. They said, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So just as today, there was a strong belief in reincarnation. Reincarnation is not a doctrine of God. It is not a doctrine of Christianity. It is a doctrine of devils. There are whole societies that starve to death while cattle, pigs, and chickens go on living because they're afraid to kill a cow, a pig, or a chicken because they think grandma's a cow, a pig, or a chicken now. Everybody say, not me. We're going to have some chicken. Amen? But now notice this. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. You cannot go to man for your source of information when it comes to God. You say, well, well you're up here preaching. Well, here, let me help you real quick. You must understand that mankind in the observation of his own intellect and flesh can never get spiritual things right. There has to be a right division of the Word of God by the Holy Ghost. It has to be rightly divided, rightly assimilated, and rightly imparted for it to be God. Are you with me? And when it is God, it will have an effect. Because there's nothing that God says that He does not do that does not cause an effect in the lives of men and women. I mean, realize that. So I've always, we've told people this for 36 years of ministry. Don't you ever believe anything because I preach it. Always gets quiet when I say that. Because people have been used. Well, let the, pre, let, the, let the doctor treat our bodies, you know. Amen. Let the, let the grocery store supply our food. And we go to church, we'll let the preacher tell us what to do. If you do that, you're going to get in trouble. Check up. Everybody say, check up. Check up on what the preacher's preaching. Check up on what's being said from the pulpit. Always check up in the scripture on what the word is saying. Now, let me say this. I do not preach things I have not proven. Everything I teach or preach, I prove this is the word, this works. All you got to do is work it. Amen? So we're not going to go to man. But now the next question, notice this. Now here's, you got to get this. But whom say ye that I am? Question mark. Now this is it. Everybody say this is it. This is the, not a, this is the question of life. Now let me say that again. Because a lot of people, you, we read it and you don't really feel the weight of it. You must feel the weight of it or you will not appreciate the answer, nor will you be willing to give that answer to someone else. Who do you, not who does pastor say, not as who does a televangelist say, not who does grandma say, not who does your Christian family say, not who does your Christian nation say, who do you, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Now listen. You can, how many A questions are there? there are, life begins with questions. You know, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? Who am I going to marry? You can get all the questions of life right. You can, you can have the right education, go to the right schools, get the right teaching, meet the right mate, have the right children, drive the right car, live in the right city, uh, make the right amount of money, go on the right vacations to the right places, and die and go to hell, and your life is for naught. But I was a good person. Doesn't matter. But the good news is, you can get all those questions wrong. 
get the wrong education, marry the wrong husband or wife, have the wrong kids, <laughs> drive the wrong car, live in the wrong house, have the wrong job, live in the wrong city. But if you get this one question right, everything's going to be okay. This is it. This is the question. Who do you say? Who do you say? Now notice this. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I've studied it in different translations, and I'm using the King James because there's so much that is religiously seen in the Scripture that needs to be corrected. Therefore, we're using the King James because much of it does it because of the way the King James is printed. But one translation literally says this, And Peter blurted out, it's like something came up on him and he said something that bypassed his thinking process. It came from another source. It came from another arena. It wasn't his intellect agreeing with something. It was something coming up out of him that as he said it, it revealed it to him also. You ever had that happen to you? It's an amazing phenomenon. So he just kind of blurts out, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, all of a sudden... There is a view of Jesus outside of Son of Man, but it views Jesus in His deity. God always wants you to see Jesus in His deity. You say, why? Because if you can see Him in His, in His deity, you can see yourself or Him in you in your own humanity. I'll explain that more in just a minute. Now notice, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not, here's the key, revealed it unto me, but my Father which is in heaven. Now notice the word revealed. If I say revealed. Now I, I can't reveal anything to you. I can't reveal anything to you. Uh, there's no preacher that can. Uh, uh, revelation doesn't come through prayer. Revelation is part of being at a particular place at a particular time where God can visit you. And God can visit you with information beyond your intellect. You can't get it by, you can't be educated into it. The word revelation means to be uncovered from the source. Now let me ask a question, because I, I know we see a few visitors, but, but everybody, it looks like a pretty holy crowd. We'll, we'll try at the end of the service. If it's, any of you need to get saved, we'll make sure you get saved. If you need to come back to the Lord, we'll make sure you have an opportunity to do that. But for the most part, we look around, everybody looks like they're saved. How many know Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Wave your hand at me. Say hallelujah. Say, I know it. Say, I know it. Now notice this. I didn't use the terminology. How many believe Jesus is the Son of the living God? Because most people, out of just common courtesy, would have said, yeah, 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 yeah. But eventually they would have said, What's the I don't really believe it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. See, a lot of people believe it, but they don't know it. But when you know it, here's the deal. You can be assured, and listen, this is where people miss it by so far. You can be assured that God has given you a personal visitation. Most people say, well, I sure wish I'd have felt it, or I wish I'd have seen a flash in the sky, or I wish I'd have seen an angel or a lightning bolt. Then it wouldn't be revelation. Then it would be an angel or a, or a lightning bolt or a dream. No, God wants to impart information from heaven 
of himself, of Christ, into your heart to where you don't believe it, you know it. Believing has kind of a connotation of an expectation for. I don't believe that one day I'm going to be saved. I know that I am saved. I don't believe I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. You say, well, how can you know you've never been there? Faith takes me from believing to knowing. There's been times when my body's been racked with pain, but I knew I was healed. There's been times when we had no money in our accounts, but we knew we were prosperous. There's been times when every circumstance said, this is not true, this is not true, this is not true. But we knew in whom we believed and were persuaded he was able. So he got visited by God. God dumped into him this reality. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the... Aren't you glad we don't have some big old statue ugly? I never noticed those statues are ugly. They always look like some devilish looking monster, you know. Eyes cannot see you. Ears cannot hear you. Hands cannot reach out to you. Feet cannot run swiftly to your problem. But we serve who? Jesus, who is the son of thee. Say it again. Say it again. That means he lives. He lives. He can see you. He can reach out to you. He can hear your prayer. He is a living, living God. I ought to get a better amen than that. See here, this, this, this right here will help. This will help most of you. This shows us why in this dispensation we have to live by faith. Because if God, now listen to me, if God supplied a feeling with every one of these revelations, you couldn't take it. Not in your decaying body. Not in your warped mind that needs renewal. You couldn't take it. If every time a revelation hits you, it'd knock you on the floor. You wouldn't get up for weeks. That's why God does not give us feelings. He gives us faith. I wish I could feel it. There's times when I did sense it, but God gives us faith to walk in. Blessed art thy, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, if I say my Father, which is in heaven, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now this is why I'm using the King James. Number one, to help you understand the church is not built on Peter. There are some denominations, some people that think they even had a statue of Peter in Rome, and there's no historical evidence that Peter ever came to Rome, but they literally kissed, kissed both his big toes off. That's a lot of kissing on a stone statue, a marble statue. If you don't believe it, get you a piece of marble. Start kissing that piece of marble. It takes a while to wear it down. But they believed. That's who the church is built on. We're going to kiss his toe. Well, they kissed him off. Took a few hundred years to do it. Amen. But he's not saying, Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. Here's what he's saying. I can't go through all the different translations, but let me help you. He's saying, now, Peter, you're a little rock. You're, you're little rocky. But upon this huge rock, like the rock of Gibraltar that guards the Mediterranean, which is the revelation of my father, I'm going to build my church on the revelation of me in you. Most people start out in life with a quest to find self. 
a quest for self. I had a poster for years. It was a poster of an old surfing movie. And the guy standing posed on this, on this surfboard with this wave breaking over. And it said, the quest for self. Well, here's the deal. If you're on a quest for self, when the quest is over and you find yourself, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> You'll find out the journey was not worth it. Amen. <laughs> so God doesn't want you on a quest for self. God wants you on a quest for Him, for Jesus. Because if you can see Him, you can see yourself as God sees you. And when you see yourself as God sees you, you don't see yourself as a poor old sinner saved by grace. You see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't see yourself as sick trying to get healed. You see yourself as the healed of God. You don't see yourself as oppressed trying to get delivered. You see that He has set you free. You see yourself in Him or in Christ. And when you begin to learn more about Him. So what is our quest? Not to learn about ourselves, but to learn about Him. We learn about Him. We learn about Him. We learn about Him. Then all of a sudden, God gives us revelation and we see ourselves in Him. Christ in you. Christ in us. The hope or expectancy of the glory of God. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Well, we'll that'll be the last scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Well, one, one verse in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 1. The powerful prayer that begins there in verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1. Now listen, let me remind you, as we pray, we pray New Testament prayers. Amen? How many used to pray, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Anybody ever pray that? Do you notice you pray on a higher level now? I hope. Yeah, we hope. You should be praying on a higher level now. Amen. So we have learned that within our prayer, New Testament prayer, should be the answer to the prayer. If you came down, you came down and say, you say, Pastor, you know, I, I wrenched my back last week. I'm in a lot of pain. I need, I need prayer. So scripturally what we're doing is you're coming to the altar to receive ministry. You're not coming to get healed because you're already healed. You already believe you receive. We're obeying the scripture by laying hands upon you, speaking the word, word of God over you. You're obeying scripture by coming and receiving that which already belongs to you, just as if you were coming forward and getting saved. God didn't save you when you came to the altar and got saved. God saved you 2,000 years ago. You just found out about it and now you're receiving it. So we would not, you know, we wouldn't pray like this. This would not be the prayer. Lord, here's this suffering saint. Somehow in your mercy. Could you please relieve his pain? Because it's obvious he's really hurting. Well, if anybody prays for you like that, just turn around and walk out of that meeting. You don't need to be there. That's not how we would pray. How would we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ we're the healed of God. So therefore, we're appropriating the mighty weapons of God in order to alleviate the suffering of our brother. He has come by faith. He's believing he's receiving. We're laying hands by faith in obedience to Jesus, the head of the church. And right now we appropriate that which was already provided into his body. Pain, leave in Jesus' name. So we end up in authority, speaking the word of God. Are you with me? Now, this prayer is the same. This is a great New Testament prayer. It starts out with petition, asking God, and ends up in the answer. Let me show. Here you go. Verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ... And love unto all the saints, 
Faith and love is always prerequisite for revelation knowledge. That's how God, that's how God looks when He finds people walking in faith, walking in love. He says, get ready, revelation is coming to you. That means He doesn't do it for mean people. He doesn't do it for religiously. What would I say? I, want to, I don't want to be mean, so I'm not going to say it. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Amen? He's looking for people that are walking in faith and love. Then it says this, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, or my petitions, one translation says, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, first thing he asked for, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen? Two things there. You'd have the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him. Secondly, I mean, excuse me, thirdly, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, Fourthly, that you may know what is the hope or expectancy of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now, verse 19, He shifts gears. Now He's not asking. He's asked for wisdom. He's asked for revelation. He's asked for an expectancy of inheritance. But now when He gets to verse 19, He says, and what is? He's gone from asking, now He's proclaiming. Are you with me? He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He demonstrated or wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. He just gave you the answer. To the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him to the hope or the expectancy of our inheritance. What is it? It is God's demonstration of power when He raised Jesus from the dead. Now, just for a moment, think about it. All of the things we've talked about that are demonstrations of God's power. We've seen things here at the altar where people have been healed instantaneously. We'd have financial breakthroughs. God restored our building after a major storm. We could talk about it, but you get into the Bible, you see the Red Sea being split. You see the Jordan River being split twice. You see mighty signs and wonders and miracles. But all of those are not, a, are not the demonstration. They're a demonstration. That means they're just a part of the power of God. But God says, I'm going to show you the demonstration. Jesus waited down in the bowels of hell, not suffering personal punishment. There was no reason to punish Jesus. Suffering what? The punishment of every person on earth. That's a lot of punishment. Every sickness, disease, bondage, addiction, or affliction. Every depression, every fear, every panic, everything wrong with all of humanity, he had acclimated upon himself and took it to the place of eternal separation from God. I mean, it'd be a miracle if a man could get up out of judgment, just his own personal judgment. But he had all of our judgment. He had all of our punishment. He had all of our sickness. He had, all, he had it all. Had it all. And then after three days, that clock was ticking. One day, two days, three days. And here came the very spirit of light and life. The very spirit of God came into the region of Dam. And every problem that humanity ever had was instantaneously eradicated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he what? He rose from the dead. Son of God, victorious over every sin, sickness, disease, problem, situation that could ever happen on planet Earth, Jesus rose the victor 
and walked over and was seated at the right hand of the Father. A place of authority, a place of favor. Wow. Now notice this. It was not demonstrated toward the angels. It was not demonstrated toward the, the Old Testament saints. It was demonstrated toward who? Usward who believe. God was saying, here's my demonstration of my power. It's not just a woman getting healed. It's not just some lepers getting healed. It's not just finding a, a, a coin in a fish's mouth. This is my demonstration. I used to preach on this, and I called it God's atom bomb. Kaboom! Now you, you, you got an enemy? You can poke at him with a sharp stick. Amen? You can, you can cut him with a knife. Shoot him with a gun. You can get a beer gun. Amen? You can shoot him with a cannon. But if you drop an atom bomb, you're going to do something beyond just poking him with a stick. Amen? You're going to totally annihilate and eradicate not only the person you've dropped the atom bomb on, but any ability that he would have to come at you again. And the same thing happened in the region of the dam when God turned loose this enormous power, this power of God, which I believe was greater than creation because creation was subject to fall, but redemption is not, First Peter. Chapter 1 tells us we shall not fail. That's my demonstration of power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, sat Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Now, would you agree this is powerful information about Jesus? Powerful information about Jesus. He's far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but that in which is to come. Powerful information. He's not praying. He's answering his prayer. This is revelation. This is the spirit of wisdom. Are you with me? I get excited about this. I'm telling you why it set me free from a bunch of junk. That his name, not only in this world, but that which is to come. Has put all things under his feet. All things, all things under his feet. You didn't have some little old problem that escaped out from under the feet of Jesus. They're all under his feet. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head, everybody said the head, over all things to the church. Now see, that's people, people they, 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 they see a pastor or they see a minister or they even, even, even in looking into the word seeing Jesus, they see Jesus as, well, yeah, he's the boss. He's the head. You know, kind of thinking like maybe a mayor, a president, a king, a governor. No, no, no. He's the head. Like your head is the head of your body. Right now we have a president named Donald Trump. We'll see if he remains. But what's in Donald Trump's not in me. Or anybody else that's ever been president. Or ever will be president. They're just head for a period of time. But Jesus is forever the head of the church. And what's in the head? Everything that is in Christ. Healings in the head, healings in the body, joys in the head, joys in the body, righteousness in the head, righteousness in the body, prosperity in the head, prosperity. Every, he says, I'm the head and I fill the body full, full of myself. Whew. Now, how many would agree as I close? Oh my goodness. I'm way past time. That's all right. You like it anyway. How many would agree that all this scripture from verse 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23 is great revelation about Jesus. Great revelation. Now, I want you to look at the first two words of chapter 2.
Because we could, you know, shout all day, praise God, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God. But what are the first two words of chapter 2? The first two words are and. Where are my teachers? How many teachers? Anybody a teacher in here? And, which is what? Conjunction, which is like coupling a, a train car to another train car. This, this ties together everything that was just said about Jesus and so here's the coupling tying it together. What's on the other side of and? I'm glad you're so excited. Now say what? And you. Alright. I don't care. So I'm going to do this anyway. Here we go. You need this. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience, among whom all of us had our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our minds, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in his mercy... For his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath, here we go again, redemptive, redempt, always remember, recognize redemptive language, hath, past tense, already done, hath quickened us together with. If I could just feel it. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather know it? If you had a choice of feeling it or knowing it, you want to know it. Us. Let me find it here. God, who is rich in his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we're dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to the beginning. Well, that's all well and good, Pastor, good. But, you know, my back is still hurting. And I still owe the light bill from last month. See, we settle for the problems of life, not realizing the greater revelation answers all the problems of life. So in a, in a debate, that's a pretty mild way to put it, someone who touted himself a theologian over in Europe. I was teaching on this in a large conference at Blackrock College in Dublin. So... He came to me and he made this statement. He said, Brother Rusty, I understand what you are saying, but here's where you're making your mistake. I'm always grateful for correction. He said, legally, this all belongs to us. But whether or not anyone on earth is ever to experience it, that's left to the sovereignty of God. Well, I'm just not that smart. Because one translation says, faith is the title deed. Now, if you give me a title deed to something, I've used this illustration many times. Many of you have heard it. But it's still, you need to get this. Say you go out and you buy me a brand new boat. Boats have gotten expensive. I remember when boats used to not be that much. Now they're expensive. I mean, it, it, it takes $80,000, $90,000 to get into a good boat right now. Good bay boat. Maybe you can run out to the rigs on a calm day. So, you know, a nice big, you know, 24-foot Pathfinder with a big 300 Mercury on it with all the bells and whistles. 
nice McLean trailer, all the work. So you, you want to present it to me. You love your pastor. Amen. So you go out and at great expense, great expense, 90 grand, you write the check. You're over here at Ron Hoover. They do all the work. I'm trying to help someone here, you see. <laughs> they do it all. They get it all rigged out. You pull it up to the church. You put it in the parking lot. And you walk in with a package of what? Number one, you have a receipt, evidence that the price had been paid. Are you with me? Secondly, you present me, actually, because I know, because I've bought many boats over the years, you give me three title deeds. You give me a title deed to the boat itself, a title deed to the motor, and a title deed to the trailer. You get three title deeds. On all those title deeds is my name. On the receipt is the paid for stamp. So now I've got this incredible boat that can really take me on any fishing trip I want to go to in the Galveston or upper Texas coast, or actually the entire Texas coast, anywhere I want to go, anything I want to do. So about three days later, you're driving. You pass by 61st Street, how they've redone all the nice, thank God for, for Jim Yarborough, amen, all the nice work they've done over there, and there's that new public boat ramp, and you see me, and out of my truck you see me dragging this ugly, nasty-looking rowboat that looks like if I put it in the water it might sink. And I drop it in the water, and I start oaring out into off its bio to catch fish. And you're kind of ticked. You're a little upset. So you wait around till I get back. And here I come pulling this raggedy old boat up on the, up on the boat ramp. And you approach me and say, Brother Rusty, is there, was there something wrong with the boat? Did you, is it in the shop? Or, or, and, I, and, I, and I make a statement like this. Oh, no, 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 my brother, sister, no. I know you purchased and gave me title deed to a wonderful boat. But whether I was ever to enjoy it or not, I'm leaving that up to the sovereignty of God. Would you be upset? Because at great price, you purchased that boat? Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think God paid for your salvation? What do you think God paid for your redemption? What do you think He paid for your healing? What do you think He paid for your peace? And He sees us on these dingy rowboats rowing around in life. And he's going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't I pay for so much more than that? Haven't I given you something that you can just take off and fly in? That you can go anywhere you want to go in the world, do anything you want to do, be anybody you want to be? Anybody I say, you can, you can, just, you can just live life to a fullness that nothing on earth can ever give you? And here you are, rowing around in life in some old leaky rowboat. The same thing's true. Everything God has given us in Christ, he wants us to experience it. And that begins with revelation of our identity, who we are in Christ. Our spiritual position is what? We are risen with Him. We are seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I heard a man teach on the heresy of that one time. He said for any Christian on the earth to say he is risen in Christ is one of the greatest heresies of Christianity. I beg to differ. I say the Word of God says it. We claim it. It's ours. Each and every one of us have a position of authority. We have a position of righteousness. We have a position of victory. We have a, a position in which we can defeat our adversary and come against any problem in life that would try to set us back and deny what God has given us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Say out loud, Heavenly Father, I declare I am risen with Him 
and seated in heavenly places. I am not a poor old sinner saved by grace. No, I'm more than a conqueror. And what is legally mine, what is legally mine, what is legally mine, I will experience in Jesus' name. So just to clear it all up, you give me a boat like that, I'm on my way to Baffin Bay. We're going to try that baby out. We're going to run it wide open and see what it's going to do. In the same way, we need to be like that with our salvation. We're going to run it wide open and we're going to explore the great dimensions of the love and grace and mercy of God. Amen? Father, thank you for our service today. As is our tradition, we claim the protection and safety afforded us by your word. Thank you, no evil befalls us, no plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we declare as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, and in our interaction with society. Lord, we're not, we're not subject to sickness, disease, allergies, seasonal flus, COVID-19. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Therefore, we thank you for safety, protection, and blessing. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, thank you no accidents, no problems, no wicked plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you as we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. Thank you for the door of utterance you afford us. Let us be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, an answer to someone's prayer this week. Thank you, Father. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave today as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.